can open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and our text this morning will be starting in verse 12. I don't always get to uh, sit up here, but man, it's a lot of fun. It's an encouragement to look out at all of you guys worshiping. Usually I'm looking at the back of your heads or I'm just in the front. And so, man, now I see why Matt sits up here all the time. And it's a good encouragement to see you guys singing. I know that many of you, like me, are making joyful noises out in the crowd, knowing that maybe we're not choir material, but we're God's choir material, right? <laughs> and so while you're turning to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12, I'll go ahead and warn you that we're going to observe the end of chapter 18 before we actually look at the text as a whole. But if you are there, in 1 Thessalonians 5, we'll start our reading there in verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. And so we can look at that odd little sentence at the end of verse 13. Be at peace among yourselves. Now call me crazy, but I'm pretty certain that our passage this morning might be about peacemaking. What do you guys think? <laughs> if we assume that peacemaking is a central idea to these verses, what else can we learn about the statement, make or be at peace among yourselves? Well, consider its placement within the verses. The command to be a peacemaker sits right in between the encouragement to make peace regarding your pastors and to make peace regarding your fellow church members. With these things in mind, we can pretty well figure out my theme and the points this morning. The theme is going to be children of light encourage and build one another up through being peacemakers. And to understand our theme, we'll observe, observe two peoples to make peace with within God's churches. The first, be a peacemaker with your pastors. The second, be a peacemaker with your fellow church members. Pretty straightforward this week. Now the theme, or my points, should not be a surprise to you, except the part of the theme regard, or saying, children of light, encourage and build one another up. Where did I pull that from? Well, if you look at what immediately precedes our text this morning that Matt preached two weeks ago, you'll see in um, chapter 5, starting in verse 5, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not children of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those that sleep, sleep at night, and those that get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation." For God has not destined us for wrath, 
but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You see in verses 5 and 11 what gives us context, what helps us to understand verses 12 through 15 that we'll be looking at today. And so being that our theme is informed from the passage immediately before it, um, as we look at the book as a whole, and especially in this chapter, we can't understand our text this morning apart from reading it progressively. But consider where we have been as we come to a close in 1 Thessalonians all the way through. Understands that Paul has been encouraging the Thessalonians to reflect and follow Jesus since chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians 9, 1, 9 and 10. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. I'll read. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. And then chapter 2, verse 14, For you, brothers, became imitators of the church of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. And then chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. And then 1 Thessalonians 4, 2, and 3. For you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for it is, this is the will of God, your sanctification. And then verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. A blessed truth as we have lost a blessed sister. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11, our text that Matt preached leading into our text this morning, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And so we arrive at our text this morning. We see the Thessalonians reflecting Jesus as they turn from idols, as they suffer as a church under persecution, as they were destined for affliction like their Lord Jesus was, as instruction for sanctification was given through Christ. As Jesus rose, so will they rise. And for our God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation one through the work of Christ and to encourage one another with all of these words. And so it should now come as no surprise to you that our theme is children of light, encourage and build one another up through peacemakers. Because we've been looking at Jesus to be our model for hope, our model for the Christian life, our model for perseverance in the midst of persecution throughout the entire book. This is nothing new. 
But so now that I'm done uh, preaching to you from not our text this morning, we can look at our first point. Be a peacemaker with your pastors. And let's read verses 12 and 13 again. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. To understand peacemaking with our pastor, Paul gives us two commands. Respect the pastors and esteem the pastors. But before we continue, again, I want you to keep in mind that every time we make progress in our text this morning, Paul is going to be referring to things that he has already stated. The text, I mean, helpfully so for me preparing, is very linear. It builds on itself verse over verse, sentence over sentence. And so we'll see that verse 15 can only be understood by understanding verses 12 through 14. 14 can only be understood by looking at 12 and 13 and so on. But our first subpoint: respect the pastors. I'm going to let that one settle in for a little bit. Paul tells us to respect your pastors because they are super amazing, perfect Christians. Right? Probably not. Rayford's shaking his head no a little too hard. <laughs> Making me uneasy. Obviously not. But my exaggeration actually goes in the wrong direction altogether. Not only are we not perfect, our qualification, our goodness, is not what's in mind here at all. If anything, Paul makes the case here that pastors ought to be respected because they labor among you, with you, beside you. But in order to consistently make peace with our pastors... We must understand the office of pastor and how pastors should relate to the congregation. And there's two sides to this coin. The first is obvious. The pastor should be laboring, right? We should be doing stuff, okay? We should be laboring with you as you labor. But we probably all have a good understanding of that, right? We probably all recognize that. But the other side of that coin is less often discussed. In order for pastors to labor among you, that requires that you, congregation, be laboring. We've talked often, Matt and I both have, I mean, over the years, made this statement that the pastor is not the uh, sole responsibility to do the ministry of the church, right? The responsibility of ministry is for all members of Cedar View Baptist Church. And so, my encouragement then from the text is simple. Church, labor in ministry yourselves so that Matt and I, pastors, can come alongside you and support you. And if you already are, then praise God and make sure you reach out to us when you have any needs that we may overlook. Because you may not have noticed already, but Matt and I can be dumb, often. We can be blind, often. And so we desire to fulfill our calling and to labor alongside you. So please, let us know, as you labor, as you do ministry, 
let us know when you have any need. And when you let us know, man, we would love to come alongside you and work. Now, the second half of verse 12 is not as fun, okay? We have to discuss admonition, which is a word we don't often use anyway. The word admonish today, though, is most commonly used with children and has the idea of discipline or correction. That's how we most commonly understand it, right? So it kind of puts a bitter taste in our mouth as adults being admonished by another adult, right? Like that sandpaper on the skin. We don't really like that very much. Well, while it is true that we admonish our children, I'm not convinced that Paul is communicating to these Thessalonian believers and then by proxy us that we ought to regard one another as children. I don't think that children are in the mind of Paul here. Seeing as Paul just finished regarding pastors as co-laborers among the saints, putting them on a level playing field, I'm not persuaded that Paul is now saying, accept the admonishment of pastors as children receive admonishment from their fathers. So there's something else at play, something that keeps us as co-laborers, as brothers and sisters. Now, many men here at Cedarview, um, Freddie, Adam, Rayford, Stan, Mark, Raul, I can keep going, um, have admonished me in many, in many ways. And that doesn't undermine me as a pastor. If anything, it strengthens me, both personally and pastorally. Admonishment, teaching, guidance towards caring for my family well, <clears throat> towards building stairs, towards whatever it may be. I don't know how to do very many things. You are watching me do basically one of my only skills in my skill set right now. <laughs> and so I require other men around me to teach me, to guide me in the areas of their expertise or practice. So my admonishment to you all when it comes is simply me teaching you in the one area I have any amount of expertise, the scriptures and the Christian life that honors the Lord and is a light to the lost as we evangelize. And so any admonishment that you all have towards me, towards Matt, we welcome it. Please, if we're doing something silly, might I remind you, we can be dumb, then admonish us, teach us. It might even be personal to you, hey, Kyle, you approach this with me in this way, I actually would receive it better if you brought this to me in a different way. That's admonishment. Teach me. Guide me. And so any admonishment towards Matt or I is welcome. And in fact, I'm convinced that your guidance to us in the areas not directly related to the life of the church is what gives life to Paul's words of pastors who labor among you. Your ministry that we labor among you with might be 
some sort of skill set like construction that I can not make myself bleed with most power tools, but I do not know the best way to use most power tools. And so let me labor alongside you and just show me how to not lose fingers. And that's a win for everyone involved. Peacemaking with your pastors then requires you to see your pastors as brothers in Christ and to allow us to give us the door to come and labor alongside you. And while sometimes admonition is difficult to receive, we've all been there, peacemaking requires you to remember that we love you. We would not be doing what we're doing. We would not be, oh my goodness, I cannot tell you how much easier being a pastor would be if I did not admonish anyone. I mean, I would just be getting free paychecks just about. (laughs) And so, admonishment is difficult to give, it's difficult to receive, but it's never going to work unless we understand that we love one another. Know that we fight with you, that we fight for you, And know that we have much to learn as well. And so our second sub-point, looking at verse 13, is to esteem the pastors. Now, keeping in mind what we just saw in verse 12, we can more clearly understand this command to esteem pastors. Like admonish, esteem uh, maybe has some unhelpful um, connotations to it in our culture. There are many subgroups that uh, do not allow anyone to question the pastor ever. That this esteem places the pastor on a near word of God level. Now, this is not the esteem that we are seeking at Cedar V Baptist Church, or I would argue in any faithful church. This esteem or respect is not one of fear of the man of God, but an esteem of family. Just as we dug into this idea of co-laboring, of coming alongside one another, some of you are able to look at Matt and I as spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith for us. Your esteem towards us is not seeing us on some higher plane of existence, but is one of joy as you watch your child step into a role of leadership where you humbly, joyously submit yourself to a child in the faith, extending grace towards us when we mess up and being able to come alongside Matt and I and whisper in our ear after services, good job, bad job, we need that too, (laughs) but bad job and why? Hey, I think that you could improve here. Esteeming the pastor is like esteeming, for some of you, your adult children. Now, for others, it may be the exact opposite. 
You maybe you see us as big bros or fathers in the faith. Um, I don't think I've quite made it to the age of being a father to anyone in the faith, other than maybe some of the littles. But uh, as a big brother in the faith, maybe you look up in age to Matt or I. You esteem us, recognizing our affection for you and our labor to include you in our own homes, in our own families. And we would ask that this esteem, you would show us patience as we navigate how to care for our families well and how to care for the other brothers, little brothers, little sisters, and children in the faith. It is a balance that Matt and I are still trying to learn, that we may never learn fully. And for the rest of you who would be in the middle, you esteem us as peers, as friends, as brothers. For many of you, there is little that separates us in terms of wisdom, uh, maturity, knowledge in the faith. The only thing that separates us is our office. And so we labor together, and hopefully you recognize from both Matt and I a willingness and desire to submit to you all in areas outside of pastoral ministry. Our work that you esteem us highly in love for is a work to lead you toward Jesus. Our prayers, our preaching, our presence, our labors, all of these are carried out with the heartfelt desire to see you and see you all adore Jesus more deeply and more richly than you did yesterday. Esteem our work. Regard it highly. Do it in love, counting us as a peer, as a brother, as a big brother, as a child. Esteem the work, but admonish us as well. Labor with us as well. Children of light, encourage and build one another up through being peacemakers. Our theme this morning does not exclude the pastor. I am a children of light just like any of you that have repented and believed. And so you have a responsibility to build me up and to encourage me just as I have responsibility to build you up and to encourage you. And after digging into this text throughout this week, I'm convinced that we have some work to do in terms of peacemaking with our pastors. But the work is not strenuous. Rather, there seems to be a call from Scripture for us to form an even closer bond than we already have. And that's exciting for me. I can see clearly that as close as I am to many or all of you, that there is still further room for us to grow closer as brothers and sisters in the faith, that we can regard one another in love, that we can admonish one another, and that I can hope to see you love Jesus more today than you did yesterday. Be at peace among yourselves, says Paul. And with that, we're halfway there. 
Look at it. We're going to make it through. Okay, stay with me as we go through the second point. Be a peacemaker with fellow church members. Looking at verses 14 and 15. This one feels a little more scary. Am I right? Like we all enjoy being mad at the pastor, right? That's sort of like a fun hobby for church members to, you know, say things about Pastor Matt, about Pastor Kyle. Oh, but conflict with church members, that's where the real drama starts, right? We don't want to mess with all that. I just, I want to come. I want to worship my Lord Jesus. I don't want to carry any drama home. (laughs) So, remember that each verse in our text this morning understands, you understand the verse that we look at by understanding the previous verses. So Paul is building and building his points together. And we're going to most clearly see this idea in this list that Paul gives in verse 14. We'll be splitting this into two sub-points again. And the first sub-point is going to look at verse 14, and then we'll look at verse 15. So I'll read verse 14. We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. We'll see the first sub-point being Paul urging the brothers. Now, sisters, don't fret. The word brother here would include you as well, so you're not off the hook, okay? Paul's not just in urging the men, it's the ladies too. And we'll break down briefly um, each on this list, but we'll look at the list. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Admonish, encourage, help, be patient. Now, does this list remind you of any particular role within the church? When I see a command to admonish, encourage, help, and be patient, I think of pastors. But Paul isn't speaking to pastors. He's speaking to all of us. So Cedarview, if you were looking for ways to be obedient to what we observed in verse 12, then look no further than verse 14. I urge you alongside Paul to labor with me in caring for one another in these ways. Do any of you think that even split between Matt and I, that we can truly admonish, help, encourage and be patient with all of you effectively and at every time that you need us at all times just the two of us we're a small church and we couldn't even take on that load we admonish encourage help and extend patience to one another and matt and i equip you and lead you in doing so You are all extensions of our pastoral ability for one another. But if I'm going to ask you to labor with me, let's figure out exactly what these commands mean. First, admonish the idle. Just as before, don't think of admonish in the context of children. You guys don't need to go around saying, bad Rayford. (laughs) 
Rayford, no. You don't have to treat one another as children. I don't know. You're just sitting by yourself today, and like you just keep catching my line of sight. You're getting all the, all the rough stuff. But we teach those who are idle the good and right way by coming alongside them. We seek to understand the goals of the idol. We seek to show them other men and women within the church that are struggling with the same issue. We check on them regularly to encourage them and to admonish them further. This is really simple stuff that we can do amongst our people. But most importantly for all of us to consider as we seek to carry out this command is that each and every one of us is prone to idleness. No human since sin entered the world since Jesus himself has redeemed the time perfectly and effectively. So we're not commanded to compare productivity. We're not even commanded to replicate productivity. We admonish the idol by communicating the beauty and desirousness of our Savior Jesus Christ. The only cure for idleness is desire, hunger. Our desire for Jesus will propel us towards gathering with the saints, towards Bible reading, towards prayer, towards evangelism, and more. But again, these ideas progress. And so let's look at our next item on this list. What is it to encourage the faint-hearted? Now, Cedarview does a wonderful job serving those who have lost loved ones. I just had the privilege of officiating Miss Dozier's funeral on Friday. We feed families. We hug families. We tell jokes to families. We sit with families silently. Man, we serve these families who have lost loved ones well. But how do we encourage those that are faint-hearted for other reasons? Maybe money is tight at home and you're struggling. Maybe there are arguments with loved ones that are weighing heavy on you. Maybe you don't like where you are. Maybe you don't even know why you feel heavy, but by golly, you feel heavy anyway. Maybe you're struggling with sin, but you don't want to discuss it with anybody. Maybe you're struggling to believe God and his promises at all. But I don't know how to bring that up to church members. Surely at least one, if not many, of these things are you. I know they are me. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Encourage one another in the ways that you wish others would encourage you. If you feel any lack of encouragement in your Christian faith, then I guarantee you are not alone. Take it upon yourself to encourage those around you in the ways that you Feel need for encouragement. And if you feel there is any lack of encouragement, tell your brothers and sisters around you to encourage. 
that they can encourage you. I won't muddy that plea with any more words. And so we'll observe our next command. Help the weak. Now notice again that these commands, commands progress down the same path. By obeying all of them together, we are able to care for one another in the way that church members are supposed to. Now that said, Stephanie is a physically weak individual. <laughs> God help me, if I need her to rub my shoulders, I might as well have her throw down pillows at me for all the pressure she is able to apply to my shoulders. Now, if we saw her or anyone else carrying a load that was teetering or visibly heavy, it is instinctual within us, right, to step up and uh, try to grab something from her or anyone, right? And yet, how slow we are to press any further than how are you on Sunday morning? Church, helping the weak does not mean that that person is labeled as weak forever. Helping the weak, understanding this verse, helping the weak is commanding us to be on the lookout for those that are bearing loads that are too heavy for them. The strongest, the physically strongest individual in this congregation, there is a weight that they cannot bear. It may be more than what you can bear, but there is a weight that all of us are too weak to bear. And it is our responsibility to be on the lookout for weak knees. It is our responsibility to look for those that are bearing things too great for them to bear alone. We insisted on our own way, just as we insisted that we are fine in our sin before a holy God. But Jesus chased us down, put on flesh, lived the life that we cannot. He took the punishment for sin that we deserve. He died and was raised on the third day that we too might have life in him. Our Lord pursued those that are too weak to bear the burden of their own sin. And he took that burden of sin on his own back all the way to the cross. Our burdens have been removed by Christ if we have repented and believed. And so we, in being like Christ, look for our brothers and sisters who are bearing burdens too great for them. Like Christ, we don't take no for an answer when someone is bearing a load too heavy. Would any of you let someone carry a physical load that they are obviously about to drop? Would you allow them to tell you no, knowing that it will harm them if you do not step in? 
and how quick we are to dismiss spiritual, emotional, psychological burdens of our brothers and sisters, knowing that it will cause them harm if we do not step in. Crush your pride this morning if you are drowning under your burdens, causing you to be faint-hearted, which will produce idleness within you. See how that works when you go backwards? And for those of you reaching out to bear these burdens alongside them, there's an encouragement. Our final point of verse 14, be patient with them all. Recognize the wisdom this morning of the saying, hurting people hurt people. Man, there's a lot of wisdom in those words. There is a messy road ahead of us, Cedarview. If we're willing to get serious about obeying these biblical commands, then that means that we're going to step on each other's toes a lot as we're learning this dance of bearing one another's burdens well. For those of you that are not currently burdened, take the lead and express patience verbally and non-verbally to your brothers and sisters in Christ as we care for one another. Verbally saying that it's okay. It's okay not to do things or say things perfectly as they attempt to share with you. Hurting people hurt people. Sometimes we are trying to express emotions that we don't fully have the words for yet. Right? Give them some space. Express some patience with them to not have to say everything perfectly until they circle back around and get everything out. Non-verbally, simply being present with them before, during, and after they share. Assuring them that they're not alone in the burden they carry. I cannot tell you the deepest, darkest despairs that I have seen in pastoral care have been common burdens. Not unique ones. Common burdens that we lie to ourselves so often that we are the only ones in this church burdened in this way. We're the only ones on earth that feel this way. I'm the only sinner that's messed up like this. Probably not. In the same way that none of us will likely become professional athletes. It's a very small select group of people. It's also probably true that none of us are bearing burdens quite unique to us. That's a very special subgroup of people. Be encouraged that we can come alongside one another and bear one another's burdens and say, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> you, you struggle with that too? That's me. Absolutely. Children of light encourage and build one another up through being peacemakers. With this in mind, we can observe our second subpoint, which is our last subpoint. Do good always to all. That's a mouthful, right? That's pretty big. Read verse 15 with me. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So Cedarview, do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
right? Yeah, we get that. It's pretty obvious. But verse 15, verse 15 reads like a general application of Paul's command to be at peace among yourselves. Hey, be at peace among yourselves. How? <laughs> right? How do we do that? So this is sort of a catch-all statement from Paul to explain it, right? So children of light, you're called to be peacemakers, and you're called to be those that do not repay evil with evil, but rather you make peace, create peace, you insert peace into a situation that it was not previously there, that's what a peacemaker is, by repaying evil with good, right? We've all heard, like, Jesus says to turn the other cheek, right? Repaying evil with good. We understand that. It's hard. <laughs> Understanding it doesn't mean we're good at it, but we understand it, you know, in our head. You do not fight for your own way, but you fight for the good of your neighbor. But unfortunately, <laughs> Paul does not stop at simply Hey, repay evil with good. In fact, he calls us to something much more than simply reacting well against evil. He says, but always seek to do good. So, do not repay evil with evil. That's talking about a specific event, right? But Paul holds us to always doing good before, during, after. I don't get to sit around and be neutral. Well, no one's done any evil to me today, so I don't have to do any good. No. <laughs> I am called to always do good, and then when evil comes, I just don't do anything different. We understand, based on verse 14, that we're commanded to do good works to and for one another in our obedience to admonish, encourage, help, and be patient with one another. We don't get to just sit around and do nothing. We are actively admonishing, encouraging, helping, and being patient. We're doing good always. And so when someone, you know, someone starts talking a little crazy to you, you don't repay that with evil. You probably cash in on number four, right? Be patient with them all. <laughs> you repay good or evil with good. So we do not begin our good things when faced with evil, but rather we are always seeking the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But unfortunately, Paul has a higher standard than that as well. He didn't stop their evil, do good to one another and to everyone, right? Paul cranks up the volume once again, saying that the church, the children of light, are to admonish, encourage, help, and be patient with one another first, surely. The lost world will know Jesus by our love and care for one another. Absolutely. It begins in this room. But also calls us to admonish, encourage, help, and be patient with the lost world as we bring them to Jesus and bring Jesus to them. So how 
can you patiently admonish, encourage, and help your lost neighbor? You guys probably know the answer. By proclaiming the good news of our Lord Jesus to them. What better way to teach them, to admonish them, than to teach them the things of Christ? What, what better way to encourage a lost sinner in need of a Savior by presenting a Savior? How better to strengthen the weak by saying, you may be born again. And what patience do we need as we endure trials, tribulations, Afflictions, persecutions from the lost world unto us. Children of light encourage and build one another up through the being peacemakers. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. This morning we considered our theme, children of light encourage and build one another up through being peacemakers. Unpacking our theme, we looked at two points. Being a peacemaker to our pastors, that we can labor alongside one another. And being a peacemaker to your fellow church members, understanding our responsibility to admonish, to encourage, to help, and to be patient. Cedarview, as sons and daughters of God, as children of light, we have Many responsibilities. But as we conclude, please remember that these responsibilities are not burdensome upon our shoulders. Our full and complete righteousness has been credited to us by the finished work of our Lord Jesus. Becoming peacemakers to our pastors and to our church members is not to earn salvation, but rather we become peacemakers that we can carry out the Lord's prayer in seeking God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We desire the taste of the age that is to come. And so we love one another. And as we obey Jesus and his commands, we are able to glimpse how life and relationships will be for all eternity future. So Christians here today, if you want a taste of heaven in this life, gather with the saints. Labor alongside them in ministry. Be peacemakers together and repay evils with good. And whenever we gather, worship the God who delivered you from the domain of darkness and to, who brought you into marvelous light. We were once not a people, but now we are the people of God. If you do not know Jesus this morning, or if you are unsure, or if you simply want to speak with me after the service, I will be in the front to receive you as the music plays. But if you do not know Jesus and you're hearing these responsibilities of Christians to be peacemakers for the first time, then I would ask you for patience. And find hope knowing that while Christians you know may fail, we are learning and being taught by the word of God day by day. We are imperfect sinners in need of Jesus, just like you. Praise God that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for the ungodly to make them his own. If you would, pray with me as Josh comes. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Father, thank you for the encouragement it has been to me, the fire that it is lit in my soul to love these church members better, more richly, more deeply. And Father, I pray that likewise, there are those that are encouraged this morning to admonish, to encourage, to help, and to be patient with their brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, I pray that there are many who will begin the labor of ministry and request that me or Matt come alongside them. Thank you for this church family. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we get to pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>